<laughs> wow, thank you. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, Detroit. <laughs> Where are we? All right. We, this is our um, transition week, right? We're going from the level one to the level two with a little AUA. Ask us anything. Ask us anything. Ask us anything. It appears we have a lot of questions. It just, it just happened that that lines up with AU, University, AUA. Hmm. Maybe. 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 Similarities are striking. We got uh, the whack pack in full effect. Trish, Nick, I don't know where uh, Corey and Mike are, but I'm sure they'll be around shortly. And um, you guys in the chat, if you're watching, they can add questions here, right, Cody? Yeah, throw them in the chat. What's happening? Where's all this noise coming from? What noise? Are you like opening and closing a drawer? That's something. Something that happened. I, I have no drawers. Okay. Okay. Anyway, is. anyway, first question: Can Fern grow a beard? No. No. Second question: <laughs> Conquistador vibes. Uh, I do conquer, <laughs> Trish. If that's what you're referring to. Conquistador. Yeah. What's the longest? I can grow. Have? Actually, let me let me clarify. I can grow great chops. Really? I can grow. Yeah, yeah. Like I can grow like some fantastic mud chops. Um, I can grow a good goatee. I can grow to a T Joe Dirt facial hair. <laughs> it just it just doesn't grow in right there. So it's naturally all white and trashy like that, Trish. Um, you, what's the longest you've ever let it go? My uh, facial hair? Yeah. Oh, the like when I was growing my hair out, I had like a. I don't know if we'd call it a beard, but it was like a homeless guy facial thing going on. Um, it was pretty bad. All right. Cody's also low-key grown back a little uh, soul patch. How yeah, come you're yeah, going more than just the mustache? Uh, like a, he's a mustache soul patch kind of guy, though. Like, I don't yeah, think I a lot of people can pull off mustaches. I can't. Um, no. You, like, I tell you what, when you sent that picture, I like you should never, ever shave your face again. <laughs> oh, the one where well, me and you at the games. Yeah, you should never shave your face again. You look super creepy. I know. With a shaved face, it's embarrassing. It's really bad. It looks worse than I look with facial hair. I look homeless. You look creepy. <laughs> Trish gave me three dollars to shave my face. Sorry, you know. You know she might is... have. That might be true. Um, so we've got so many questions about this conquistador thing. Like, what does that even mean? Well, conquistador, it's because you're Cuban. She's being racist, if I'm being honest. Right. It's yeah. a Spanish conqueror. Yeah. Um, I understand what a conquistador is. I'm I want to know how I give off conquistador vibes, <laughs> is the is the question. I think two hundred years ago you would have been like a king. <laughs> king. You would have showed up on a horse somewhere with a sword. I'll show up on a horse now. You're very, you're very uh, Inigo Montoya esque. Yeah, I'm still looking for a man with six fingers on his right hand. <laughs> so, so many re references. I don't have any of this just queued up. I wish I had them all just queued up, ready. Need a better producer with Princess Bride references. Uh, we we wrapped up level one last week with the you know trainer agreement and all that good stuff. Next week we kick off the level two with who is it? Steve Haydock. Uh, yeah. Steve Haydock, OG. And uh, this week we're doing the AUA. So we've already answered one question. Let's go on to some CrossFit questions. Um, let's start with, let's see, I've got, you know, and, and these, if you're, if you're listening and watching, these questions are going to be coming like shotgun style. They're coming from all different directions. We just took some, uh, some polls on the social medias and got everything. If you have a question as well, live in the chat, Throw it in here. We'll pull it up, but we're just gonna start. Just gonna start from the top here. For, uh, Nick, this one's from Nick B said he, we better answer his, so he must have given us one. Fine, yeah, we'll start. We'll start with. We'll start with his. Well, you um, know, let's let's give the. You don't make back. demands here, Nick P. We will literally cut you out of this feed. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the whack pack. He's 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 allowed um, to ask the actually second question. His yeah, his question was: Are there um, progressions for? All nine are, are they official progressions for all nine foundational movements, um, or only some of them? And then, like, throw in another one out there like, are there official progressions for the movements outside of the nine foundational movements, or is it just 
so, progressions that we've come up with along the way that yeah. we found that gets us from point A so to point So there's kind B. of like, there's some kind of official progressions, if you will, and then unofficial progressions within the nine found, like within the level one specifically there, are, you would, you would hear the term progression used three different ways. Number one, progressions within the nine foundational movements, not all nine have uh, progressions, only four of the nine have progressions. So push, press, push, jerk, the Sumodov tie pull and the uh, medicine ball clean. All the other movements are taught in a progression, meaning like they progress in difficulty from left to right. So think squat goes into front squat, goes into overhead squat. That is a progression of difficulty. And then the third place you would hear that um, as far as a progression goes would be in the GHD lecture where there is a progression through the movements of uh, on difficulty. So uh, think uh, back extension, hip extension, excuse me, hip extension, back extension, uh, and then hip and back extension. Um, meaning you need to be able to do one before you move to the next. So those are the three, the three different variations of per, or per the term progression that you would hear to answer specifically. No, there are not all, not all nine have a progression, but there are other progressions taught within the course. So the progression for the muscle up, uh, the snatch progression, which is a, um, uh, kind of a spinoff of the Bergner warm-up, which in itself self is a progression, the pull-up progression. Um, but you can make a progression for anything, and and we would challenge you to do that. You should be able to teach virtually anything in a progression because it's a it follows all of the rules of you know to, uh, tell show do check with regard to teaching, and then baby stepping people through a process. So I think that's all things progression. Maybe I don't know, Jay. Do you want to add anything? I think you you know ultimately nailed it all. And the the movements, you know, obviously, not obviously, I think Nick was asking about the push press, the push jerk, you know, all the uh, med ball clean, so Medell high pull, all the other movements. We kind of have some freedom and flexibility in how we do it. I think something we talk about all the time is ultimately how you get there is less important than getting there with your people doing them correctly. That being said, how do you, what's your typical, if I said Fern, more often than not, how do you teach the air squat? How do you do it? Oh, set up and go. You know, where like feet, feet, like where do their feet go? I will very briefly teach the, the concept of midline stabilization and then we're squatting. I'm not breaking that down into any like steps. I'm not doing quarter squats or pauses or back and forth. I'm like squat down, stand up. Um, but I mean, there's more a time, so like, there's a time and a place for progressions, but layering more so like. For example, when I do the air squat, yes, got it. Yeah, first, and then I usually go ground up. Yeah, I'll knees. use it. Very similar. I'll bounce around a little bit, maybe here and there, but it's typically I'm just going to work by joint. So I'm going to go, you know, feet, knees, hips, shoulders. Yeah, and you know, once in a while, and again, this is for all you guys. That's where you triage. If I'm like, I got a group of ten people, and four of them have rounded backs, even though my plan might be go feet, knees, I might go right to midline stabilization. Or not, because it's unloaded, and I'll get there eventually. So, big picture is have a plan, have a plan to get there. Yeah, I think um, Fern, you were you did some knowledge content on like skiing, right? And mm -hmm. I think I had reached out and asked you, you know, personally. And I was like, why did you teach it that way? You know, is that is that the way that it's supposed to be taught? It's like no, it's like there's not an official way to teach somebody how to ski, but we can put them in positions and and try to get them from standing tall to the end of the stroke. And we're right. like, and, from there to there. Yeah, I think and I think people get wrapped around the actual like you have to do it this way. And I'm like, not really. I'm like, the, but the progressions, they should be logically built, meaning they should be built to isolate certain aspects of the movement. So, um, you know, like the the push press, for instance, when we teach the, the dip and hold, the dip drive slow, the dip drive fast and then the full push press the dip and hold is for torso position. That's why you're doing it. It's not because we just like to hold that position. And then the dip drive slow is torso position plus timing, right? And 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 thinking of like depth of the dip. Dip drive fast is just a different variation of that to make sure that we can put all the pieces together with speed. And then the press is like now it's timing at the end. Like do the hands leave after the hips extend? So you should be able to ask yourself like, does this allow me to break this down in a teachable fashion and expose or teach certain things that I need to happen in this movement, regardless of what it is. Like you should be able to teach the burpee in a progression. You should be able to teach the sit up in a progression. You should be able to teach rowing in a progression, skiing, like all of it should, you should be able to be able to teach it in some sort of rudimentary progression that allows you to 
uh, convey a large body of information fairly concisely. All right, let's let's check out uh, some of the other questions that we got here. What do you think about two heavy days in the same week? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah, I do four. I, I do four yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it depends on what you're talking about, like what heavy days, right? So, like uh, this is where one of the one of the variables inside of the big bucket of variance that people forget about is function. So if we're like, what are the, all the things we can vary? Everything becomes the answer. But we go with the the kind of low-hanging fruit, load reps time, and then you get into um, priority, you know, uh, the modalities, coupling, all that kind of stuff. But then the last one is is function. So there'd be nothing wrong with doing, and, and listen, it, and weightlifters do this every day, by the way, right? So it's not like the end of the world. So we do have to exercise a little bit of practicality, which is like, it's not the end of the world and definitely not a bad thing. Um, weightlifters will squat heavy multiple times in the same week, sometimes squat heavy back squat multiple times in the same week. Um, it depends on who we're talking about and have we worked them up to that, right? So it's not like, can you absolutely you can, I should be thinking about the context of the athlete or the group of athletes that I'm dealing with a weightlifter who's been training for two years has built a tremendous amount of volume and strength to be able to handle that over a short period of time where a CrossFitter might get crushed by having two heavy squat days in the same week. That's that, that neurologically, they might not be able to handle that. Um, so the smart way to do it would be like swap the functions, like do a heavy, um, squat and then maybe a bench press or an overhead press on the second day. Nothing wrong with that. So what if you did have two heavy squat days, what would you, how would you go about modifying scaling that for the the deconditioned athlete on the second day? They everybody does it on the first day. They come in, they're trashed. They still haven't recovered from the first one. What would you do there? Is it the next day? I don't know. I mean, we'll call it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think the question is saying like, well, why would you have two heavy squat days back? Well, I mean, back? assuming so like you're the same week. First of all, if you're squatting twice, I mean, easy would be like, okay, front squat, back squat, or overhead squat, or you know, lots of different op- box squat. Uh, lots, lots of different options there, but I also think, but that, but a key, the key component of that Jay is that that would, that in and of itself would modulate volume. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like right. that, 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 you know, you go from back squat Monday, for example, I back squatted Monday and Thursdays. I, you know, kind of just made my own template for right now. And I back squat Mondays and I clean and jerk squat clean Thursdays. Sometimes I'm a little sore, but a, it's light enough. Cause it's a clean you know, that it doesn't trash me. And just the way you, you squat, I, you know, it's more posterior when I back squat a little more anterior when I'm cleaning. So that'll do well, it. But I, and the I other think- thing, well, the other, just before you move on to that is, is like volume, right? So one could be like a heavy day and the other one could be a heavy volume day, right? It, it feels the same once I get deeper into the volume versus, you know, so like, let's just say one of those days is like heavy doubles, heavy triples, maybe. And then the second day is sevens or tens, right? Like that is going to get real heavy um, based on the volume that you're doing. So you could do both of those. Yeah. But, and, and again, I think, you know, for a beginner, like Cody asked, they're going to wind up con- scaling themselves, you know, just modifying it. Right. right. It just says follow it up with Annie and only Anna the, fo- the following yeah. day. So just, just sit ups and double hunters. It's the yep. default. You know, I've always, I've once heard, I think it was Glassman, just be like, sometimes variance is doing the same thing two days in a row. I well, think that, right. Some, if, you, if you're not doing things like that, then by definition, it's not variance. Yeah. Like if you, right. And like we even say that in the programming lecture, which is like, hey, what, what are the, well, these are the common themes in effective CrossFit workouts. Like it basically lends themselves to high intensity. But if that's all you did, that would not by definition be variants like you should deviate from those patterns you know you should go heavy days back to back you should go strengthless metcon back to back days you should go metcon plus strength after that like that is the whole point just put it together logically right like put some thought into like how would this all be married together over a course of um five days to two weeks right to a month right there's a difference between like this is a great training session versus like this is five great training sessions individually put together in one week now makes really awful training 
Like that's a real scenario. Well, and it's funny too, because the same people that are like, I want to do this because games athletes are doing this. It's like the games is like the same thing five days in a row. Like there's just yeah. no way. I mean, they squat five days in a row. They press five days, you know, just because of the nature of it. So birdie, yeah. birdie. No, Affiliate U is not US only. We have people in the UK. We have people in Europe. We've got people in uh, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah, Canada um, even. I, we basically own the island of Ireland at this point. Um, we, a bunch in Ireland. we just you had mean, someone sign up today from Germany. You want me to throw, throw up the, uh, the box map here? Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. Am I? Marcus will yell at it. Do it, but it's real quick. <laughs> Flash and bring it down. Oh. Uh, Marcus, if you're watching, stop watching. He's not watching. He, he, he doesn't watch these things. He oh. usually calls me during the show. Last week, I was like, <laughs> mid-progression, Marcus is calling me. Um, Joel just texts me. I'm like, okay, you guys don't watch our own show. Okay, uh, are you going to throw it up real quick? Uh, I don't have the I don't have the the website on hand. I'm going to have to go searching for it. It's gonna All right, search it while you ask the next question. All right, so on the same um, vein as squatting, one of the questions we had on Instagram is, what are some good squat cues and drills for people who turn their feet out too much? Ooh, stop doing that. Easy <laughs> stop one. That. That's, that's not a good cue. We already um, discussed this. You don't say bad. Stop that. Stop doing that. You look like a duck. <laughs> uh, no, here, I, as someone for a long time, to this day, my right foot more than my left, Still slowly turn out. What is happening in the comments right now? <laughs> Talking about quilting groups. I don't know. Like, Trisha's. This Trisha's is like, like, are you in my quilting group? I thought this was a coach development. This is this is very quickly turning into a Pinterest for. Uh, for Ryan is trying, look, Ryan. I'm wearing classified today. Um, I don't know what's happening over there. But I, as someone whose foot used to creep out, one thing that really helped me was. Uh, I, I I personally think when I'm squatting about grabbing the ground, big toe, pinky toe, heel squeezing the ground. And I, for a long time, used to put bumper plates on my right foot. I put 45-pound plates there. So, so you're referring to like as they squat, basically this happens? Yeah. Okay. So the plate used to just be a tactile cue for me, and it really helped. Um, what I have found more often than not eliminates that altogether is – um, widening the stance, specifically meaning turning the heels out to a wider position to a slightly straighter foot um, will reduce that um, that foot movement. I, I Yeah, I can't argue with that. I think that's good. Uh, what is happening over here? <laughs> the, right. the comments is just dissolved into a... But they dumped your fire. You know what? This is what happens, though, right? When you when you start make when you start making it big, you start building a community. You get this this comment get section. Crazy people. Just goes, get crazy right, hit us wild. hit us with another question, Cody. All right, here we go. Um, how do you develop more skills for coaches um, using their hands and efficient use of words? Huh? This is another. This is another I don't. One from yeah. Instagram. I don't. I was reading that earlier, and I don't really think i understand the question i think honestly. maybe it's like do like, you get people like, better at tactile and verbal cues yeah how do you get coaches better at them or how do you get better at doing them i think how do you develop your coaches like this is a coach and maybe is trying to train their team and here's i'll give one example because we're currently on it in affiliate you and the coaches development and this week we're, we're all about uh, expanding our arsenal of cues verbal visual and tactile one of the best ways you can do that is figure out, you know, we've talked about your, the style of cueing you give is typically the style you prefer. It's like your love language. So if you like to get visual cues, you tend to give visual cues and you're good at, you're better at one than the others. And you typically struggle in one, find the one you struggle in. And for that class, try to use it exclusively. You're going to fail. It's very hard to do that, but it'll at least make you think about it. I would argue you will make a you will make more progress in that single hour than you will have made your the previous lifetime of your coaching. If um, I remember, I think this is this is years ago, but I used to make that a point when I'd walk into class and I'd be like, "Yo, I'm only doing this. I don't care how shitty it is. I'm literally just doing that." And you'll find out real quick what works and what doesn't, and 
and you'll do a lot of wacky stuff that you'll never do again. And, but you have to be forced into that um, position and there's no other way to do that other than like limiting the skills. And we used to do that a little bit more um, aggressively in the level two. It's not that aggressive when we like, you can only do this, but it, it's definitely, there's, there's some validity to doing that. Oh, just this week watching people like Nick, Nick was a great Nick, by the way, we watched you yesterday. You weren't on the call. Uh, so there's feedback on the call. Nick did. Did you do only visual or only tactile? I can't remember. I think he did only visual cues. And um, you could just see it just, it forces you to think about cues differently. It forces you to put yourself in different positions. If you're doing visual versus tactile, you know, it forces you just to expand that arsenal. So yeah, I think it's a great drill. Hidden gem of doing just tactile, which most people don't think about is it will really highlight how much most coaches do not move throughout the class. Oh yeah. That's one of the things we see the most. It's like, here's a demo PVC goes down and then they're like, that PVC is like a barrier. Like they won't cross it. Right. We see that on the progression too, Cody. Um, yeah. So just mixing that up. And here's the thing. You don't have to do it for the entire hour. Even if you're like, Hey, we're going to do a, you know, a snatch workout during the teaching portion. I'm only, and, and Nick did a really good job too. Here's something else that you could do. Like, Nothing wrong with saying to your members, hey, guys, I'm working on this today. I feel like sometimes as coaches or owners, we feel we can't just put it out there. Nick said it to his class. Hey, guys, I'm working on visual cues today, so you're going to notice that's what I'm doing. And the member's like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll give you another example of this. Where, um, so Jared, uh, who's one of my um, – it's like him, Cassidy, and Lindsay. Those are the, the – they run the gym. Um, he just took the, uh, the gymnastics course, fantastic things to say about it. Like he just won't shut up about it. Um, and so he's, he's looping in a ton of different ways. He told him, he's like, yo, I've learned a bunch of stuff at this course. I'm going to start looping a lot of these things into the warmups. And he told everybody, he's like, we're going to work a lot on these positions, which some people may or may not like. So just again, to your point, um, just in a different, with a different tool or different skill set, like it's okay to tell people that it actually makes more sense when you tell them. All right, and as an owner too, I think it's okay to be a little more. I was just on a call with Jen uh, Bombshell, and she said, "You know, Chase's box closed down in Texas, uh, Fern." Chase, uh, he's well, he sold it, and then yeah, yeah, and he and one of the things he told her was like, "I would have been a little more transparent with my members about things." Like, I think it's yeah. okay to you know you don't have to tell them how much money you're making, but it's okay to be like, "This price went up, and this price went up," you know? Yeah. yeah. And throw up the box map really fast. Oh, let's see real quick. That's it. Take it down. Take it down. <laughs> wow. Take it down. Here, here we are, international. All right. Look, international. Got some more people. Australia we, over here. Yeah. India, we, baby. India. Will you do me a favor, uh, Cody, while you're That's on it. this? What? You have the link available? Uh, yeah. Will you shoot it over to Joel? You know, you have Joel's number? <laughs> yeah. All right. All shoot right. it over to Pull Joel. Pull it down. Pull it down. People are going to know. Pull it down, yeah. <laughs> But seriously, text it to Joel because he literally a text came up like about Germany. And I was like, I don't know. I'm on the podcast. Um, um, I will. I'll send it to him. Next question. Also, look, what's what's Birdie doing over here? He said, I'd like I'd like to give you a tactile cue, Trish. <laughs> White pack get is getting out of control. Get over canceled over there. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Um, let's go to questions from Craig Wood. He had a series of like five of them about, uh, being like making a living as a, as a coach. So how many people make a living as a CrossFit coach? Do you think, I guess, percentage wise out of all the coaches who are out there? The short answer to that, to that question, Craig is not enough, but we're changing that. Yeah. But here's, I don't want to go off on a tangent right now, but I'm but you're going to. to, yes. So just Look, don't say it then. No, because you it's, want to. It's been bothering me. You clearly want to. So just be like, I want to go off on a tangent and then tangent off into a tangent. Stop that. Why are you doing that? Stop that. <laughs> I put up a post the other day about not showing up smelly to class, basically. And people are arguing with me about it. And hey. this is. What? There wouldn't be smart people without <laughs> dumb people. Fair. And that's, I agree with you. And that's why I'm like, 
these people are like people are like I can't you know are you why are you gonna yell at them this I'm like no I I don't negotiate with dumb people right ultimately but it's like this is who asked that question Cody Craig Wood Craig Wood this is part of the problem CrossFit coaches are not willing to admit that a the company and the the brand and the method like we've matured over the years yeah back in the day I know Fern myself and many other high level coaches showed up with a sweaty shirt or knee sleeves or their shirt off even. And it's like, if we want to be professionals, we need to act like professionals. And that's, you know, going to this question, if we want more and more people, like Fern said, not enough, it starts there. It's the fact that people are arguing about it is stupid. Like change your damn shirt. I'm not suggesting you don't work out. I'm suggesting you you know, somebody said, Fern, somebody said this. Oh, you guys all trained on uh, during the weekends at seminars. I said, I didn't argue with it, but it's like, just so everybody knows, seminar weekend, Fern's a flow master. He will tell the group this. Hey, guys, let's pick a workout at lunch that demonstrates threshold training. So don't move like a bag of dog turds. B, make sure it's short enough so we can be done at least 10 minutes early. And in those 10 minutes, get your shit together so we look like professionals again. And that's yeah, what do not like. do oh. not walk out on to give a lecture like panting heavily and sweating your face off. Like don't don't do it. It looks like trash and we're not going to tolerate it. Like that's just again, what do professionals do? Do do those things. If you know somebody who you're like that is a consummate professional, like act like that person. And it doesn't involve any of those things. Yeah, and I've worked 100 plus seminars in Florida. It's sweaty. Guess what? I would finish on time bring a towel with me. And yeah, my shirt might get a little sweaty when I throw it back on, but that's different than showing it's 95 degrees out and there's no AC and no fan in a box. Like you're going to sweat. You're like sweating that, anyway. That's a, that's a different story. But there's a, but there's a very big difference between showing up. Like I worked out 20 minutes ago. I'm kind of cooling off and like, I'm full sweat. Like you could tell the difference. And like, look, drinking a, an O2 shout out Dave or a protein shake, not a big deal. But we've all been to class. The guy clearly is sweaty, shaking his shake up. It's like, you don't look like you give a shit about me, the members that are paying to be here. Okay. Rant yeah, over. people just, yeah. All right, so in the same vein, um, let's, let's take Trisha's question over here. Okay. Is the level one price a barrier to people making it a career path? I think CrossFit I, does a bad job of I'm saying I'm going to answer this very bluntly. Trish, I love you. And maybe this is not, you're not saying this, but absolutely not. That is such a low barrier to start a career. It's laughable. 11. Imagine like, yeah, what else? You can't even become like, I don't want to say anything because it's like down, like, but I mean, you can't be like a hairdresser or you can't even become a house cleaner for less. Like you need to buy a vacuum. You need to buy other things. Like, you know, like. <laughs> And, and it's also, um well, it's well this is also something where like this is this is a weird one to me because i'm like for the record there should be some investment for you to start a career like if there i go to school i have to take i have to take out a loan to go to school it's not free um and can can some people not afford that absolutely there are people that cannot afford that um and you know what do we what do we want them to for sure I will tell you this. Everybody that's ever wanted to take that course has figured out how to do it. And I don't know her second statement here, Fern. I think CrossFit does a bad job of saying, not that one, sorry, Cody, about what the ROI is. I don't know that they, I don't think they do a bad job. You, you may be right in that they don't, but they probably don't have the number. I mean, I can tell you the ROI on my level one is fucking through the roof. Like, Well, it depends like, on what you do with it. ROI is completely dependent on you. Right. Like, like yeah, the, there's no there's no you can't buy anything that guarantees you so like what's the roi on going to med school well it depends on what kind of surgeon you decide to and, and where you, on where you decide and how good you are right all of those things and how hard you work and how many years of your life sacrificed during your you know your fellowship or your residency like all of those factor in like that is um this is something i learned a, several years ago which is like i don't ask like how much does it cost anymore when i'm like investing in something because I'm going to make my money back because I bet on me. And I'm like, if I'm doing this, I'm making my money back. I don't give a shit what it costs. It's it's I'm why we tell people, you know, we, you and I have done Tony Robbins, right? And it's like, you can go to Tony Robbins and get nothing back. Yep. Cut those hands. Or 
you can go to Tony Robbins and start a company like best hour of their day after because you're psyched up and motivated, right? And um, same with Affiliate U. The, our best clients, the ROI is through the roof. And it's not that they're getting something different than the clients that aren't getting this. It's that they're working their ass off. And a lot of times by putting money down, skin in the game, you're going to work harder. The uh, the next piece there, uh, that one, the so that the, there's a the difference between the cost of a course and cost of living in a certain place are two different things. Obviously, earnings might be different in those two areas, but like a dollar in the United States is a dollar in the United States, right? Like, because that course costs the same there. There's, you're talking about different in earnings, but inflation is inflation. Um, and now there's something to be said for, I was having this conversation with, uh, with somebody the other day about, you know, Brazil versus or other countries like that, where like the, the exchange rate is, is like wild, you know, where $3,000 is a year's earning for, for some people in certain countries. Like that is a different, is a different conversation. Um, but in the United States, I don't, yes, I can go somewhere else and that like the price of home would be cheaper, but like earning potentials is kind of whatever you make it. Also um, Mississippi, <clears throat> I'm sure there's areas of Mississippi that are doing better than areas. Listen, Oxford, Mississippi is not uh, like, that's where like the fancy people live. Like yeah, everybody, you say there, everybody there wears uh, pleated pants and, and two collared shirts. Yeah, I lived in uh, the area of New York. Where, you know. I have family that lives in Oxford. Do you? Yeah, it's, you all it's, fancy. It's, it's super bougie. When are you moving out of Alabama? I thought you were moving. Uh, you know, get my wife to pick Let's up get a new feet. wife. Let's continue down that same same path. We'll come back to uh, Birdie's question. I got it uh, okay. starred, but Craig, Craig Wood has a, has a few more um, on the same the same note. In what ways do coaches uh, supplement their coaching income? Can a coach do one on one nutrition coaching um, separate from the gym's challenges? Can they work at multiple boxes? All of that is yes and no. It depends. Like that is a conversation to be had between the coach and the box owner. That depends on how all of that is set up. But I've seen it. I've seen all of those done and I've seen scenarios where like you couldn't do any of those, you know? So I, that's just the conversation about what is, what is the box owner want and how does that work? Um, so what would be the reason for not allowing a coach to coach at multiple boxes? I mean, the easy answer is that typically it's the owners are afraid that you're going to poach or bring members from one box to another. So I have uh, had coaches very sparingly do this in the past. One coach, um, Jared, actually coached at uh, Orange Theory for a while. Didn't care. That's whatever. Um, me personally, I'm not going to – it's not that I'm not going to allow it. I'm probably not going to hire that person, right, because I want them invested here at CrossFit Rife, because I'm going to be spending a lot of time and energy on them. So in that sense, it's not that I'm afraid that they're going to go somewhere else. I'm not investing my time and energy into somebody else's business. Like, I just don't have enough bandwidth for that. Like, I'm not doing it. Um, well, so that's a challenge because that's something to consider, right? Like, I coached at numerous boxes when I lived in Florida. It was never an issue because- You could do it. I know people that do it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm the just- challenge is for you as the owner- when you are really good at developing your coaches, you're developing someone else's employee now or contract. Right. Yeah. Right. That's my point. I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, and I just, it's not that they can't go coach somewhere else. I'm like, you can go coach somewhere else, but now you can't coach here. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think a lot of coaches supplement their income from one on one clients, from PT, nutrition. All those um, things, and, you know, and that goes back to what Fern and I have said time and time again. We are not anti-PT. We are very no. pro-PT. If that's something, we're anti-people telling you to do PT when you don't want to be doing PT. But you you should have a nice little personal training. Or you're, or you're not good at it and your group thing sucks, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just like, it's a priority matrix, right? Like, how do you, how do you figure that out? But even when I was the owner, I had a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients and I was charging them top dollar and it was... Cool. And as a, as a coach, you should be doing that as well, as well as nutrition. I mean, as well as, you know, Ryan over here is classified fitness. He has coaches that run programs. He's about to kick off a running program, right? And they should be doing, you know, six, eight week programs that people sign up for and they get a good percentage of it. Like there's tons of ways to be doing it. 
I like that last one there because um, we do that quite a bit, actually, uh, from Birdie at the bottom. Um, um, let's go ahead and get one of yeah. Birdie's first question up over here. Uh, do you think uh, you would get the same knowledge by reading the level one manual as taking the actual course? Nope. Yeah, definitely not. That's it. Just no, well, no, birdie. The, the, no, well, because the you can consume the information, but the 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 fantastic thing about the level one when I sat for it, which is like, yeah, I can read it. That doesn't mean I understand it, and it it definitely there. There's no way for me to have like I can't expound on the on the information. Well, somebody else can. They can they can like dig deep into that and like unpack some of the that information for me and then help me understand it. The level one is fantastic. Everybody should read it multiple times. I learned you're, just you're still going to need to help. You. you know, like every time you read it, you're going to learn a little bit. Right. Um, so you could, but you would need, you would need somebody else to kind of bounce some of that stuff off to, to, to kind of play back and forth on it. Well, follow up to that then would be uh, the online level one, the one where you, you, um, where you can actually get the the digital courses too. You get a little bit more context, but you don't get to actually be in there with the experience of it too. So yeah, you, know. you don't have the ability to ask questions. I, I don't think I don't for I. This is my personal opinion. Obviously, I think virtually nothing virtual is better than in person, including this podcast. Correct. <laughs> um, so let's go to his other question here. What are some ways that you best recommend sprinkling in elements of the level one into classes or do members just not really care and they're just there to work out? We, I, I think the, the most effective way to do this um, is almost like just walk the walk, right? Like we are, our, our members at CrossFit, right? We don't give lectures or anything like that, but many of them who like, cause we probably sent well over 50 people to a level one in my 14 years owning the affiliate most of them get in there and they're like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard much of this before, right? Like maybe not the exact same tone and stuff like that. We just, we live it. That's, that's how we teach things, but we don't give lectures. We're like every, like things in small chunks, right? In passing that they're going to hear dozens of times in their interaction with you until they're, and they might not even know what it means, but eventually it'll click and they'll be like, oh, okay, now I'm putting those together. Um, but who's uh, Brian Boucher, Mid-State uh, CrossFit um, out in Cali. He gave um, a series of talks at the gym on the weekend, and he like like dozens of people showed up from his gym and other gyms to just sit and talk. He talked about the sickness continuum and a bunch of other stuff, the health, uh, sickness wellness fitness continuum, and a bunch of other stuff. That's like that's a fantastic way to spread that information. Yeah, and like you said, I used to love when my members would go to a level one. I would love it and I would hate it at the same time. Like I didn't learn anything. I'm like you did. But what you're really saying is we sprinkle this in all the time. And I think some of the best, I think Fern nailed it, like walk it, but also whiteboard, cool down, and then just sprinkling in knowledge as, as you coach. But like, if you're talking like the methodology, like what is CrossFit, what is fitness technique, whiteboard brief, sprinkling in cool downs. And then like you said, Boucher did a great job. Like I used to do a, what is cross, like I could give the, what is CrossFit lecture before I was on staff just cause I, Gave it probably 10 times at the box. Uh, I don't know what Jeffrey Birchfield means by do you only bring in level one certified coaches? I think oh, he might be asking me. Well, I, mean, I, I don't even yeah, know if that's I, a real thing, right? Like, for, well, for, you know what Cody's doing. Cody's letting us know he knows <laughs> they're not certified. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. The, uh, we get it, Cody. I, You're making I, up for not knowing the, not knowing the progression. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I believe Jeff is asking if uh yeah shout out Brent the uh, I believe Jeff is asking if that's my criteria so yeah I'm for the record everybody's got to start there like there's no you don't get to skip that portion right so um I do want everybody to take it and I I I will put you I do, however I believe technically speaking I believe this to be true you you do not have to hold that credential in order to coach an affiliate. But he has to be there with it, but you don't have to have it. You don't have to have it. Um, I know I, I don't recommend that, but um, I have started people in the coaching journey prior to them getting the credential. Um, so I guess this is kind of a weird one, but like I wouldn't have anybody 
like permanently on the staff who doesn't have one. I would not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've been to a couple of affiliates before where they had like a, um, like a veteran member who was running open gym while the level one was in the office, like doing admin work or something. Yeah, like, or te technically like, you know, the, there's a level one that's here and open gym is still being seen. I don't even, it. I don't even know if the, like in the building is accurate. I think just the LOR, you have to be doing it inside an affiliate technically. Oh, I, I don't, don't know. I thought it was, you had to be there, but maybe not. I mean, who's going to police that number one? I'm not saying this is a good idea. No, but if I'm somebody got hurt, your insurance speaking. might not cover it. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know that I don't know that your insurance states that they have to be they they would I think they probably need to hold a credential. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's I mean, when I first opened in 2007, no one else had their level one. And when I would go away, I would be like, can someone watch class? Like, and that's a good way to get someone started, though. They're like, oh, yeah. Like, like Cody said, we can watch the open gym. And then all of a sudden they're like helping and cool. Yeah. Trish, you've never taken the level one That's you should be taking. You should do. Everyone, Trish, Trish, you're out of the whack pack. It should, because anyone that's listening, watching, should definitely take the level one. It's it's so good. You will learn, even if you have no desire to ever coach in your life, it's it should be part of your CrossFit journey. How many people do you think take the level one that never coach? They just take it just because they they want to. They've been, they've been told it's yeah. it's. Worth I would say it. at least ten to twenty percent every weekend. Oh, I was going to say more than that. Uh, I usually ask my first group, like, who's coaching, who's not, who doesn't want. Yeah, two or three per group. Yeah, so maybe 20, 25%. And I would say, like, also excluding, you know, people who want to own affiliates who have to have it to own, to be the owner, but not – they don't plan on coaching. I think like that's just people who are Just people who are taking it just to take it. I don't think there's many people that take the level one – only to own an affiliate and not actually code. I think that might eventually happen and there's probably some, but I don't think that's super common. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, Matt, when are we starting the level two next week, baby? Oh, you mean next for week. the manual? Yeah. Yeah. Next yeah. week. Steve Haydock. OG. We'll take breaks here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the practice. practice? Talk about practice. <laughs> Wish I had that queued up. Go on. Alan Iverson. Um, Timo. I was just about to ask about the online level one option. He's a person that's interested, um, but they're not native English speaking and there's no translated option close by soon. Is the online version a viable option? Yeah, I think it's viable. I think you should just at some point in the next two to three years, because I think it has a three year uh, revalidation period. The uh, online? Yeah, I think it's three yeah. years. And then you I know? think, um, and, and then you get a, and you get a discount. Yeah within 12 months of so if you take the online level one you will get a it's a pretty steep discount it, I don't know what the it was exact like goal. 250 only yeah it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 it's currently somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 percent um discount of the in-person if you go take the in-person within 12 months of taking the online level one so that would be uh <laughs> no i don't know how many whack packs trish is in matt <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last one up, up here from Craig was what are, the, what are the common errors new coaches make? And I know that's really broad. So let's, let's narrow that down. What do you think is the most common error? That Not new listening make? to the best hour of their day podcast. <laughs> we agree. We agree. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, no, I think it's, uh, I've, they fail to plan. Yeah. Super simple. They just show so, up to class. I'm like, do you have a lesson plan? They're like, Oh. They show up sweaty from the previous class, drinking a protein shake instead of that's the point of it. Like if imagine your doctor, Fern, you, you had that eye surgery of what a couple months ago now, imagine if your doctor I had cataract was, surgery, everybody yeah. I'm old, old he's man. a seven year old living in a four year old. Imagine <laughs> if the doctor walked in sweaty. He's like, Hey, do you mind if I eat while I do this surgery? You're like, get the fuck out of here. Like you're not coming near my eyes. Oh man. Um, you guys have got in your inbox from me earlier today, like a, a lengthier version of Jeff Sawulski's question. Hey, I deleted about, that email. Do we need that? About come on, man. About, about world. Come on, you should put that one. Come on, man. You yeah. should about the world class fitness in 100 words. Oh, he's got yeah, a long so, question, Jeff. Yeah, so I'm just gonna like th throw it up here. Like, what are your thoughts about the order in which the world class fitness in 100 words is written? And then, you know, you guys can see his explanation there. But can you pull it up? Could you pull up world class fitness for the screen? 
Uh, yeah, I, give me a second. So I, here's what I'll say. I understand the sentiment of Jeff's question. However, there's just certain things I'm like, you don't need to change it. Just leave it. Right. Like, it's like, hey, could we improve the Mona Lisa? Yeah, we could put eyebrows on that lady and it might be better. But like, that's not, it's no longer the Mona Lisa anymore. Right. Right. Something well, different. Ultimately, nutrition is the first thing, which is the foundation. Learn and play new sports is the top of the pyramid, which is the last sentence. Right. Um, and, and for the record, the world class fitness in 100 words is not, it's not, it, when he wrote that, it wasn't meant to be in order. Right. He's just making a statement about what it would be. The The pyramid is, is a visual representation of this idea of world-class um, fitness in 100 words. The only thing that really would change is the b bike, run, swim, row would be above the practice and train major. I don't know, because we go gymnastics and weightlifting, right? So, yeah, I mean, it, so the only thing that would change is the major list would go after that. But I agree with Fern. Not a big deal. Do I think if Glassman... I think like anything, I mean, George Lucas is still remaking the Star Wars movies, right? Like when it's your baby and something you care about, I think you would constantly be tweaking it and making adjustments to it. But I don't think it needs it. Just like I don't think like who shot who first, Han Solo or what was his name? Greedo? You guys know what I'm talking about? No. You guys don't know that? Come on. Somebody in the comment know the Star Wars reference I'm talking about? <laughs> Han Solo shot first, etc. Anyway, I feel like I lost everybody. You did, yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally lost me. Lose everybody. Point being, I think any creative genius, Glassman, George Han, thank you, Vincent, um, George Lucas, Coach Glassman, they're always refining their 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 works. Han shot. There we go. People get. Thank you. So <laughs> yeah, right. That's right, Trish. That is funny, Trish. I like that's why she's in the black pack. All right. Well, that is all the questions that we've got. All the questions the, we have? It's all the questions we have from Instagram and in the email. So if there's right. did you have I mean, more we're, four, we're 47 minutes in right here. So if that already so, we already went over all our start ones. But if there's any anybody questions in the chat. chat. Yeah, so there was one up here I don't think we answered, wasn't there? Just hold on. Ask me anything you want. Oh, was that the town? You want. Yo, yeah. Yeah. I know everything there is to know. Oh, Forrest Gump? That's good. When are you getting Carl Stedman? Oh, Bertie. Hey, add that to the list. Carl's a fantastic human being. I will definitely reach out to Carl. He's a godfather of CrossFit, of the Euro CrossFit crew. Yeah, I will. I, I would tell you this. Like, let's get Carl on, Fern. Just a, just a cool virtual episode. Not, yeah. not for the manual. Let's just get him on. Because like Fern said, he has probably got some incredible stories about the euro crew and affiliates cody oh he absolutely does i don't know if i have carl's phone number let me see I'll text. Um, oh i do uh, four four number i thought there was something else in here yeah, if you find anything I, I thought i started them all oh you're probably right yeah so text. unless unless the chat's got something all right i text carl uh whoever who asked that uh Ooh, that one is intriguing. So if you had to oh, hold on, go back to the next one. Which one? The one underneath that from Nick P. We'll come back to you, Brian. Okay. If you had to pick only one of the four mm -hmm. models of fitness, which one would it be? Jay? Sickness, wellness, fitness. Oh, me too. <laughs> do we just become yeah. best friends? Oh yeah, I want to go um, do karate in the garage. Yeah. I think that's just the easiest one to understand. It makes the most sense. Like it 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 uh, brings in outside lifestyle factors. So I think yeah, I think I think it encompasses more, right? Because you can put every you can put anything on the on the continuum. So you could you could explain multiple um, concepts within there. It's still it's still uh, not complete. But if I had to pick one, I would probably pick that one. Second would be the 10 general skills, I think. Because it just makes sense. Like, okay, I need to train all these things, you know? Yeah. Oh. What would you say is not complete about the, the continuum? Well, it doesn't really – like, it doesn't factor in essentially models two and three, which are the hopper and the metabolic pathways. Because you could not be good at certain things, but not – 
but not be sick. Right. Um, so that it, it's missing quite a bit um, there because the mo models two and three. So if you think about the, the definition of fitness, it's work capacity to cross broad time and modal domain. So when we're, when we're thinking about the modal domains, you're talking about models one and two. Right, so you're thinking about the tangential physical skills and the and the hopper. Broad time is model three, which is metabolic pathways. And then when we get into the definition of health, um, now you're talking about um, the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. So you know it's work capacity across broad time and modal domains throughout your life. So it that and that's how the lecture starts, which is like, he had by the way he had all of the models before he had the definition. So he didn't, he made the definition after he had the models because they, because none of the models by the, and we say this in the, in the, in the, in the lecture is like, none of these models by themselves is sufficient. Collectively, they're what give us the definition of fitness. By the way, Carl got back to me already, Bertie. Uh, he will be on the show. Cody, you'll get an email after this. That's what we do. So we, we think have it fast. That's what we uh, do. We, can, we, actually, we know we everybody might... in the community. So if you're going to come onto Instagram and throw shade and say that you've been on seminar staff of some sort, we're going to find out very quickly that you've not been on. We're going to find out very quickly that you've <laughs> not been on a seminar staff. You're not uh, referring to anyone specifically. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, I heard we might be going back to Austin, Texas. I mean, we're trying. Anyway, yeah. Um, so uh, we might see Jeremy again and actually get to work out there. We didn't get to work out there last time because we were. Hustling around uh, Austin. All right. Uh, let's uh, do this yeah. one from Boucher. Yeah, from, yeah. What's your favorite Ooh. fern? I know mine. What is, go ahead, what is it? I know what yours is. We think well, so. Read the, read the, read the question you, first. Just, As a uh, seminar right. staff. Okay. As a seminar staff member, what is your favorite level one lecture and why? I know yours is what is CrossFit. Yeah, that's my favorite, mostly because of my jokes. I got good jokes for that one. That's literally what I was going to say it was your favorite. It's because you can tell <laughs> jokes and stories. Um, <laughs> that's it. What's yours? I, I guess love. yours technique. No, no. I like I love technique. I love and I I absolutely love what is fitness. I love really? that lecture. Yeah, mm -hmm. I it's just like it's so profound and it's so deep, and there's so much to unpack there. Uh, and I remember for me, I was just like, oh shit, I get it now. Like that makes sense to me. Um, I love that lecture, and I I like it because I I also like to try to make that information or that content relatable because I do think it's hard to do. I think that's having done this long enough, like you and I have now my focus when giving some of these lectures is to teach it. Like you're teaching it to a five-year-old. Like I need right. to get these concepts across there, but I really want this to make sense. So you could talk to your members about it. Like our previous question. Uh, ooh, advice uh, from Jorge advice. Sorry. Advice on doing the level four <clears throat> coach a lot. I read, read the, the manual um that they send you and definitely have somebody put eyes on your coaching prior to coaching i'm taking mine in july does that mean yeah. you're gonna um you're gonna submit a video for the progression Ooh. what do you mean he wants you to submit a video so i can watch it as of the level four well i mean if, well typically what you would do is you were going to submit a video you would submit a video to somebody who's better than you not somebody who's worse than you <laughs> I watched here. I've watched quite a few people prepare for the level four. I watched someone this morning um, at CrossFit Sanitas. Uh, she's not from there. Jenny, Jenny was there. Jenny Gibbs from uh, DeNovo. And I, you know, I told her the same thing I told GC when I watched him and even many of the people on the progression. It's like, these are outstanding classes. Like anyone that's been on the progression, anyone I go to watch, like you are the top 5% of CrossFit coaches in the world. Now, top 1% become level four, right? So it's like, it, it's not just run a good class. It's, it's, are you running a good class hitting all the six criteria of an effective coach? But then like, ultimately are people getting better? Are they, are you pushing people to threshold? Are you using all the names? Are you layering information in a way that like most people wouldn't even recognize it with regard to how you're teaching it and how you're just, but it just, it, goes flawlessly yeah. when you see it is i always like tell people it's like porn you, even if you'd never seen porn before you would know be like oh that's definitely different right and it's like that like when you see somebody do it you're like oh shit okay but if you watch that's so different. much porn it's just like oh it's just tv then you should talk Stay to someone. away from that trap <laughs> um 
Side note, Jorge, in addition to that, if you're preparing for the level four, Cody, what do you think? We watched enough episodes together on Thursdays, the progression. You got to go to other boxes. You have to go somewhere oh, yeah. else. Because today I watched Jenny, and it's like, she's. you got to learn the names quickly. You know, and the biggest That's thing- That's a skill. Think, yeah, and she did a great job. I think at the level four, I'm not certain you'll get name tags, which makes it easy. Er, but it's like, if you're behind someone to the side, I mean, Fern and I- at a level one within an hour, I know 30 people's names, right? It's just... Yeah, there's a there's a game that we play on day two when we hand out name tags is to just yeah. walk up to people and hand them their name tags so that they don't actually have to get them. What I try to do when we're uh, proctoring the exam, I, I sit there and I go, I will look at everyone and I try to name everyone's name in my head. Now, the side note is Monday afternoon, I know no one's name. Like, if you <laughs> came up to me in the street, I'd be like, have we met? But for those two... But you got to go to other boxes because the other thing Jenny experienced today was it was a little bit chaos when she broke the whiteboard brief. And it's like, it's a new teacher. It's like a substitute in high school. Remember, you would just misbehave a little bit. So you really, it'll, it'll force you to get that group management down. Well, so that's where I was going to go with that. If you've never done that. So like Jay, you and I have done this many times at a level two. This is, these are the nuances, right? So this is the, something that you learn. I think this is the best way to learn. This is at the CrossFit kids, which is like, when you're coaching, group management is leaving nothing up to chance. Be very directive in everything, right? So you break from the whiteboard brief. It's, like, it's not just like, all right, guys, let's go. Immediately, you're screwed. Just be like, hey, over there, I want everybody on that wall facing this direction, and everybody needs to have a yellow rubber band, right? Like, those are the types of directions, and you need to do it. Let's do it on the hop. I want you there in 60 seconds. Like, let's go. Those are the types of things that demonstrate a different level of group management, this tells you like, oh, this person's been doing this for a while. They definitely understand how to command a group. Yeah, it's, it's a that's a really common piece of feedback that we give on the progressions is just being more directive because a lot of these people are coaching in their home boxes. They're really comfortable around their members. It's like, look, if you're preparing for the level four, it's not going to be like that. Like, it's going to be a lot of people you don't know, a foreign environment. You're going to get the workout, whatever. What what is it? Two days ahead of time. It's like, yeah, I think you get a forty-eight ahead. So you, um, get, you got to be on top of it. Yeah. And then, you know, that was the overall feedback for her was like, obviously seeing and correcting, but how you're going to get there is the group management. Uh, Fern, what, do you th what do you think here? I think eventually, yeah. I think you would, I mean, it'd be silly if they didn't, honestly. Well, how long? That's probably going to be years from now. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing that they ran into with the level three is like, you have to have it. Yeah. It has to have been out long enough for, for everybody to have had the opportunity. So just based on throughput, I would call it a couple of years before a few years before you could like make that a hard standard. Um, so I would say 24 to 36 months would be like maybe a fair timeline for that because just because of the, the, the choke point there with the level four is the number of raters. There's only so many people that are qualified to rate for the level four because that's a that and for anybody that's wondering that is that was the hardest part about them getting that online was um i don't know what it entails but it's not it's it's a very rigorous process to develop raters to rate in this format so that everybody rates by the same criteria and there's a consistency across raters um that is that's that was one of the hardest things from everybody that i've talked to that was that was part of building that that was the hardest part to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think GC told me today, it was like a 500 person wait at this point to sign up for it. I mean, you um, could do the, the, um, the private one. I think you can apply for a private one. Oh, really? And come I out think, to your gym or you go there. I think so. I think you can apply for it. I don't, I don't know if it puts you anywhere on the wait list. I know. I think, uh, I think, Nicole Christensen told me they're booking like 10 weeks out from right now. Like I booked in July. Like now when last, you got like, it because like it was in your ago. box, <clears throat> did you have the first option to book it? You, the three of you? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, re I requested, I'm like, can we just, can we just do it here? I don't know how that process works. I don't know okay. what the mechanics of that. Not are. everybody can do that then. That was also. Uh, I don't know. I think you can request a private one. It just, there, there's a, there's a different, I believe there's a uh, different cost structure uh, uh, associated with it. Gotcha. Um, cool. Any other questions? That's it so far. That's it. All right.
We're at an hour. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we got a lot done. Um, Thank you, Gordon. Appreciate it. What do we got? We got progression tomorrow. Who's on tomorrow, Cody? Christian. Oh, Christian's on tomorrow? Christian's on tomorrow. Christian's getting ready for his level mm. four. And then no hot seat this Friday, correct? No, we have a hot seat uh, tomorrow. Oh, you got this one is, tomorrow morning. Yeah, this is Audrey from the Netherlands. This will be our last Thursday episode. This will be our last Thursday episode of the hot seat. Cody does need a ring light. Can you? Do we pay you well enough to buy a ring? Do you need us? No, you pay. You pay me with with tips from the show. We've gotten zero today. today. <laughs> made no so, we will get you a ring light. Put it on the just list. No, just know Cody's gonna go hungry. Everybody. Yeah, I might have a light in my closet. I'll send it to you. Actually, I actually have one at the house. If you need you? it, I'll mail it yeah. to you. All right, I need you to pay shipping though, Cody. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, cool. So we got hot seat tomorrow morning, progression tomorrow afternoon, no show Friday, um, Monday then normally hot new normal hot seat time. Correct. Yeah. So the hot the hot seat will permanently be moving to Monday at three p.m. There there may be an occasion where that gets bumped, um, but we're moving it to Mondays uh, permanently moving forward. And and we, just for the record, we will have an episode on Friday. This is um, Jen Brockstrom in part two. Oh, that's so, this Friday. Yeah. So oh, I, got many, I got many DMs that were angry about about that episode being cut in half. Yeah, but that was a while ago we put it out, too. So they've been waiting. It's a cliffhanger. No, no, it was, it was Monday. No, 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 no. It just came out on Monday, dude. It just came out on Monday? I feel like that was forever ago. Boucher, there we go. Thank Boucher, you. look. You get the cheapest ring light out there, Cody. $1.99. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically Cody. Here's your ring light. Take out your phone and just point the light at your face. It's a flashlight. I'm gonna tape to the top of my computer. Um, for all, that's for all the, it's for all the good coaching porn boys. Yeah, that's it, Duche. We appreciate that. Um, anything else going on for us? Anything else we need to talk about? No, man. I'm excited to kick off the. Uh, I mean, the, like level one was fun, right? Getting ready to kick off the level two, though. We've got some superstar guests lined up. It's gonna be super fun. And we're gonna have Carl Stedman on. I'm gonna email him with you after this, and then Cody. I do think this would be great. Can we get that? What, what is this? Can we do a greatest hits of just Fern arguing with people? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically gonna be it's just a normal podcast of me arguing with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would obviously. Yeah, uh, you know, be uh, James, you and James arguing for sure, and then we and, we need uh, like like screen recordings. Of- that, I was not arguing. That's literally the opposite of arguing. That was me trying to agree. Cool. Well, aggressively we a lot of- agreeing. Yeah, level two is going to be great. By the way, if you're an affiliate owner and you're listening, you know we do have a affiliate you special going on for two more days. So if you are interested in learning more shoot us a message. Uh, we can hopefully get you in, but um, we got something special going on in March. And then we've got lots of, I mean, so many big things happening in, in the coming weeks. Let's just put it this way. Best hour is growing. Fern, you're going to be in DC. When is that? Next, Next weekend. Week. Yeah, you're going to be in DC um, for the, for the affiliate summit. We've got some other things going on virtually. One of we've us got- will be at virtually all of the summits in the U S just for the record. And we've got just some other big projects. We've talked about it a little bit. We've hinted at it. We've got somebody really big joining the team um, in April. Somebody, this is awesome. Fern, let's just take a moment. We're coming up actually on our four-year anniversary. Like right now, it's it's April of 2019. Four years coming up. Is that when we, I feel, I feel like the podcast was five years ago, maybe. No, April of 19. Positive. Okay, that's four years. Four years. And well, uh, Cody, what number of podcasts is this? Or does this count as a podcast? This doesn't count. Uh, no, it counts yeah, it does. as a podcast. It yeah. this, this, one is, this one is 622. Oh, wow. I rarely open the podcast app on my phone. And I did the other day. And it was like all like so many episodes. So many episodes downloaded. Um, yeah. Um, 620. So I think I have to do the math on it. But we might get to 750 this year well we do three a week i do the hot seats count hot seat and progression don't count any of the any of the virtual shows and um we've done probably close to a thousand because there's been plenty of episodes we didn't number oh yeah yeah yeah. i mean there's definitely a thousand there's a thousand episodes out there but there's only like 620 something that are numbered but four years ago dude we four years look at us now crazy still haven't gotten anywhere but 
<laughs> I was it's been no, fun. I sent you the text this morning. Uh, my buddy was like, "Hey, do you work with the non-crossfits?" And I was like, "No, but you know, feel free to have give my." And I gave him my email, and he went to our site. And he's like, "Your site is amazing." I'm like, "You know, it wasn't when we started, so it's it's really it's really cool to see it." And we've got some big stuff going. <laughs> this actually is funny. Relisten you the old podcast, and it's weird to hear hearing all the episodes about COVID. Yeah, that was a. We're gonna it's, we don't want to talk about it, Birdie. <laughs> strange. I know. I feel like. A lot of shows that had like COVID times, like just ignore that period of time, <laughs> right? Jay's moved. I have moved a lot of time. I moved more than three times. We started when I was in Florida, so I lived in Boulder, Arvada. No, you're right, Boulder, then Arvada, then now Superior. Yeah, Ryan, you're right. I moved. I, this show started in my closet, and now I'm kind of in a closet again. Just a bigger closet. Bigger closet. Yeah. Thanks all these bed. donations. <laughs> yeah, you guys think. You guys think Cody's getting it? I'm keeping it. I don't. We don't even know where that money. Do we figure out where that money goes? No, we don't know where the money goes. It goes somewhere. Well, goes YouTube's somewhere. getting it for sure. Well, we're taking at least thirty percent. Um, but cool. All right. We go, oh, Fern, we got a big graduation tomorrow. By the way, yep. for some yep. of our grads, I'm excited about. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be back next. We'll be back Thursday, Friday, and then next week. Here we go. Cool. All right. Take that it? Yeah, that's it. All right. Clear your mind. <laughs>